You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers. And we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person. And that starts with our personal Personal check-in. Let's do it. Well, Jess, here we are again. Yeah, welcome back. I'm still in my house. How about you? I I, I am as well. Yep, yep. I'm um, I'm still here, taking it taking it day by day, just like I was last time. Right. That's right. All, That's all anybody right. can do. So ha- tell uh, tell everybody, catch us up. How how are you holding up these days? Thank you. Yeah. Nope. Still good. Um, I've pulled out some workout equipment that has not seen the light of day in a long time. <laughs> and one in particular is pretty funny. I got it off a shark tank. It's called the Simply Board. And it's basically like this big piece of plastic that you twist on. <laughs> so wow. I've, I've been twisting and standing, doing like a standing desk thing with the twist business. It makes me feel very productive, like I can multitask. So that's been good. Trey's you know, hanging in there, still trying to get his mind around, you know, no graduation, no prom, but Mm. you know, we're fine. The whole world's adjusting. So we're going to adjust right along with everybody else. And then I think I shared with the audience last time that I had several folks in my circle that had been fighting this or were suffering from it. And so um, just no major update there. I mean, Two are still recovering, and I mentioned one's asymptomatic, and the other one we're just we're praying for because mm. it's it's not great, um, and so we're just we're hanging in there and and hoping that he sees a turnaround uh, soon. So mm. I'll I'll update the audience on yeah. that. But my other folks are doing well and they're recovering, and just keep them in your prayers. Yeah, we'll do. Well, yeah, thank you yeah, for sharing. Thanks. We want to continue to pray, pray for them, and just and if you, I'm, I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm, these are these are definitely praying times, as I think you know, all, all time should be. But it definitely feels like right now you're just you're. Yeah, it feels like you can't do much else in some in some situations, especially for those who are far away or around the world. You know, being affected right. by these things, but just just being in prayer. So on the yeah, work how- outside. Yeah, I'm gonna, oh. I'll I'll shape mine around <laughs> yours. What's going you on just, over there? You just there, set the yeah. tone. I mean, <laughs> I would I usually look to avoid that question because I usually it makes me feel bad. I'm like, ah, oh, not as much as I should. Uh, <laughs> right. But you know, I feel like it's it's a. Uh, we talked last episode about the divides. The dividing lines are being drawn. On a more lighter note of the dividing lines being drawn, I realize that there's creative workout people, and then there's not creative. Mm-hmm. Like you're definitely in the creative camp, based on what you just told me. I am not in the creative camp. Like I, I one of my buddies is like using car batteries and like wire to work out in his driveway right now. Like I guess he can't go to the YMCA, and I'm like, what? I don't even have the bandwidth to. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know what we're going to have for dinner yet tonight, right? Like, I, I don't know how you, where that creative <laughs> margin, it's like activating a new side of some people's brains. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand it, but kudos. Fascinating. Me, we're, y, we're YMCA people. We love the Y. I yeah. think this personal shout out to the Y locally in the Triangle, what they're doing right now mm-hmm. to continue to pay their employees and to innovatively create solutions for marginalized groups and for low income people that they serve uh, or that are on their staff. I mean, just I talked mm-hmm. to a, a Y staffer yesterday uh, who's a part of ReCity's network and just 
I cannot be a bigger fan of the Y in general, but because I can't go there right now and my family can't take advantage of all, all the amazing services, I am just doing the whole Nike app thing. You know, you heard, you know, that thing, oh, good. you just yeah. do the little, that's, yep. I, that's where I thrive. Like somebody tell me what to do for 20 minutes and I know it's only going to be 20 minutes. I'm a, mentally a huge wuss and um, I'm good to go. Hey, there's nothing wrong with 20, 20 minutes is great. And it's more than a lot of people do. There's no car batteries, there's no frozen gallons of milk being curled. It's just, we're not shaming you, Rob. This is not the time for that. This is a safe space. All right. All right. Yes. Um, Yes. Congrats on getting 20 minutes in friends. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. You got to say, like you said earlier in last episode, (laughs) you have to find, you've got to try to find ways to be grateful right now. And, Mm -hmm. and, no matter and what you your create, situation is, create your own playbook. That's what I. That's said. right. You got to you right. got to make your own playbook and stop trying to to live up to whatever top five list is on Buzzfeed these days. And I'm going to find a way to bridge this to the theme of our podcast. Watch this. You know, you, mm-hmm. self care is really important right now, and mm-hmm. it's and it can feel selfish. And I, I think the people we're going to be talking to, I know probably struggle with this. You know, and I often I sometimes do of. That whole oxygen mask analogy, you need to put that on yourself first, because if you try to help those around you, you're not going to you're, you're going to pass out and be good to no one. Uh, right. And I think that we need to begin shifting mentally towards what does it look like to practice sustainable rhythms so that we don't burn out, even if we're on the front lines. And, and you know, I know some people don't have the luxury of pace right now, but if you do trying to find ways to do that, even in small ways, even a few minutes a day to take care of yourself so that you can continue to care for other people. And I think that we're going to have the privilege of talking to a few folks over the next couple of episodes that are still going really hard. And we want to find out what it looks like for us to support them in their work. So I'm going to welcome in right now, Russ Pierce of Housing for New Hope. Russ, are, are you on the line? Can you hear us? I am. I can hear you. Russ, well. thank you so hey, much Russ. for joining us. Hey. We're so glad that you were able to, to call in. Uh, where are you calling in from right now, Russ? Just for our listeners who can't tell the difference. Am I allowed to admit that I'm actually in my office? I think so. Uh, you're, that, I mean, you're an essential worker, right? We, we, you and I were talking <laughs> off, off, offline about this earlier this week, right? Like the, the pros and cons of being an essential worker. You, yep. you, you, yep. you got to keep doing what you're doing, man. You're in affordable housing, putting yeah. roofs over people's heads. That I mean, that, that is not a service that has the luxury of stopping right now. So we, we're thankful for you. And no, you should not be ashamed to admit that you are at the office. So, uh, Russ, let me, let me do something for it. Before we get into our conversation, I just want to frame up, because we're going to talk affordable housing today with you. And that was something that we had already planned to be doing as far as a month ago before the coronavirus hit, because we knew that affordable housing was not an issue that that COVID made relevant. COVID is not the reason why we're on the phone right now. No, uh, this was already a problem. This was already an issue that goes so far back past last month. But what I want to do is before you talk about what your world looks like right now and how this virus and this crisis is affecting your work, I just want to help frame this conversation with a few stats that existed pre-COVID for the Triangle area, for Durham specifically. There was an article that came out a couple of months ago that put Raleigh number nine on the fastest gentrifying cities in America, number nine, which was really shocking. I mean, I think if you go to Raleigh, you're, you're in Raleigh, you live in Raleigh, you, you can feel that. You can see that of how the triangle is being affected by gentrification and has been for, for many years now. But zooming into Durham, 
right? Where Jess and I are, are, mm-hmm. are working and where Russell, where you are focused on working. A 2019 report published by the National Low Income Housing Coalition said a person in Durham must work 2.8 full-time minimum wage jobs in order to afford fair market rent for a two-bedroom mm-hmm. apartment. 2.8 full-time minimum wage jobs just to mm-hmm. afford a two-bedroom apartment at fair market rent. And that was, that was pre-COVID. Yeah, that was right. before unemployment is, is where it is now. That was when things were re- relatively, quote-unquote, for some people, good. And then also, I think an important backdrop for this conversation is the fact that if you're not aware what's been going on affordable housing in Durham, if you are in Durham, I hope that you know that we've had over 300 residents displaced that live in McDougal Terrace that have now inherited a double crisis. Some of those mm-hmm. residents that were displaced earlier this year are still living in hotels. Like the nine hotels were filled with people. Some of them are still there because of the crisis that happened then. And now you have this COVID crisis laid on top of that. And so I think that's the conversation that I hope is helpful for our listeners to frame up a little bit as we jump into to hearing from you, Russ, of the fact that man, affordable housing is not an issue that became relevant yesterday. We want to we wanna know and hear from you. So, Jess, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, yeah. Russ, thanks again for, for joining us. For our listeners, Russ is the, again, the executive director at Housing for New Hope. You've been there, I guess, a, a year now, right? I mean, aren't you coming up to an anniversary or you're... Uh, yeah, anniversary at the end of the month. So we'll okay. be having a virtual party, I guess. Virtual party. All right. Send us the virtual right. invitations. We want to... I don't know how, how do we blow out candles for you virtually. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We're we'll figuring figure it, it all out. There you we'll go. figure it out. There you well, go. congratulations for, for being in that space for the last year. For our listeners, I used to serve on that board at Housing for New Hope, and I think we'll unpack what you do there and why it's such an important organization for this area um, for so many people. But before we do that, um, we love, we just really want to take the time to just ask you how you're doing. I know you moved into the area, so I don't know where your support system is. I mean, I'm sure you, you have folks here, but I think you moved in here from Atlanta. So how are you doing? How, how are you feeling amidst all of this? And then we'll jump into the interview. Yeah, no, that's a it's a it's a good place to start. And I have to admit on on several calls I've been on this week, I've noticed two things. One, we'll forget to start in that place and see how we're doing. So we'll, you know, go back and do it. And then the other trend I keep seeing is we ask the question and everybody nervously laughs. And I'm thinking by next week, we need to make sure we're stopping when we hear the nervous laugh and say, no, no, no. Okay, so what's behind that? Yeah, Um, because I think it's it's starting to weigh on a lot of us. But yeah, we actually for me, I was actually moving home. I went to Duke. My family has been in the triangle for a long, long time. And I did about half of my growing up here. Um, So we were able to come back and get close to family. And thankfully, uh, through the the wonders of the Internet and things, we're able to uh, keep contact with friends that we've made. We were out of the area for 18 years, living in other parts of the state and even out of state for a number of years. So it's been good to be able to reconnect with folks. And my kids are a source of some of that joy in this time because we're getting out and uh, we're running. We decided it was time to do the couch to 5K. Yeah, so that's been that's been quite a, a lot of fun, and we've been laughing too because we're pulling out. You know those things you see, and you're like, "Oh, this would be so much fun with a kid." Let's do this. So I found one the other day that I'd bought a cheese making kit years ago when I was in Arbor, yes. in Ann Arbor, yes. Michigan, and I thought I have to do this, and I pulled it out. And most of what you need to make the cheese is in there, but I had to go and see when I bought it because it had sat on the shelf for four years. <laughs> <laughs> and most everything you need in there had expired a year or two ago. And I thought, well, that's kind of a sign of things of, you know, 
you get these pieces and you just haven't taken the time, but now we're in a way being forced to creatively take that time. And hopefully we'll keep some of those patterns when we come out of this. Yeah. She's, she's making kids say, shouldn't wait for four years. <laughs> I, or, or, or can they though? Cause isn't it all about like moldy cheese? I would think that, no, I don't know. Obviously. Well, yeah, I'm not going to pretend it got that. Yeah. It didn't get that far. So, you know, the activators okay. had passed activation, I think was my problem. Gotcha. Okay. There <laughs> wow. it is. There it is. So, wow. I yeah. love it. It comes full circle. We're, we're continuing this, this self-care workout theme here with Russ. Right. And he's yeah. like, Hey, I'm, discarding the, the old four-year-old cheese to get off my couch and run a 5k wow there you go, <laughs> there you go. we gotta love that when we'll be able to do it so I love we'll it. be prepared uh, when the time comes but yeah yeah well thank you for sharing so shifting gears a little rough into now that people know you which i think is such an important place to start right of you knowing you the person right i think at every city we try to emphasize how important that is in partnerships organizations don't partner together people do we need to humanize each other and i, and I appreciate you you doing that for us before we talk uh, about these issues, but could you dive in a little bit? Tell us more about the work you do in the community and really the challenges that exist uh, that existed in affordable housing pre-coronavirus, and then talk about just how how that work has been affected by the crisis itself. Sure, sure. Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, even just going back for a moment to having come back after 18 years, I mean, I've, I've kept up with some of Durham's development and I've lived in, I was in Asheville when it started to really change. Uh, we lived in South Bend for several years as Indiana as it was beginning to change. And I have to confess, even coming up from Atlanta, I was shocked at how much things cost, how much housing costs here, even as it didn't seem it seemed like things had gotten more expensive without a lot of change in some of the neighborhoods to some extent, which which really surprised us. So coming into housing for New Hope, I mean, we're multi-pronged, maybe uh, the best way to explain it. Comprehensive may be another good word for it, but we're active at a number of different points in the supportive services that help connect people to safe, affordable housing and help them maintain it. So we're constantly seeing the impact of rent prices going up, or even just a lack of places for folks to go who want safe, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we connect, um, you know, a lot of times, I think the easiest way to explain it sometimes is when folks think about homeless services, affordable housing in our community, they'll immediately think of the shelter, which is, you know, an emergency shelter. It's very much like an emergency room. You need it. It has an important role. Or they'll know Habitat, which does real important work for folks that are very far along, really, in their journey and in good ways towards safe, affordable housing. Well, where we tend to come in is even before shelter, we're out connecting with folks on the street to get them connected to housing, get them connected to supportive services. We also, if folks are moving out of the shelter, oftentimes they're partnering with us through rapid rehousing to get them connected to housing, necessary financial supports for a period, and other uh, connective services, supportive services to help them maintain and sustain in that place. We also actually have our own couple of permanent supportive housing communities. So that's for folks who have been chronically homeless, so at least a year, um, often having disabling condition also, 44 units downtown and then north of town also. And then we actually have two workforce housing complexes for folks who um, they're at uh, what we say is 50% of AMI. So they are, if it's a single person, then making less than uh, $30,000 a year. If it's a family of four, making less than $43,000. But I mean, one of the main challenges is just having enough stock of housing to move people into, whether it's our own or whether it's um, in the community with landlords. Tell us what's something you mentioned, kind of some common misperceptions about affordable housing 
locally. What would be you know, for our listeners? A lot of them are local, following along here in the Triangle. Uh, some some outside, but when it comes to affordable housing, what is something that is surprising that people maybe often misunderstand or would be surprised to learn? You know, I honestly would say it's almost there's so many different kinds of affordable housing. Oftentimes, a lot of very varied stipulations of what your qualification is to be in that particular housing or what supports you have to be in that housing or how long you can stay in that housing. I mean, even in my role, I think because we have so many different programs, my staff is very patient and generous when I say, okay, hang on now. Can I just double check that I I remember correctly what the Mm. qualifications are for that Mm. and to make sure that that we're getting people lined up? I mean, it's interesting because just a few minutes before we were on the call, I was on a call with folks from the shelter, from the city, community development department, and a number of partners across the community trying to figure out how do we get the census, how do we get the numbers down at the shelter uh, in the midst of this crisis. And that very thing was coming up of like, okay, here's the person's situation, here's the qualifications they may have, what kind of programs are available, and then are there units available in that kind of program? Um, it's, it's pretty complex. Um, and so you really need folks that can partner with you and navigate alongside to help you be successful. Yeah, we'll speak to that because I think you hit the nail on the head, right? You know better than most how complex this issue already was. How is that complexity changing with this global crisis that is now on our hands? Well, I mean, one of the first pieces I think that's concerned for every community is folks who are in, in congregate shelters, which is another term for like our emergency shelters where you've got a lot of people in a tight space. It's hard to impossible to practice social distancing in those situations. So there's a shared commitment that we need to be moving people out as quickly as possible, hopefully to good, sustainable situations. So we're working right now with our folks who usually are more primarily just on the street. They're beginning to work with folks that are being moved out of the shelter into some local hotels to provide them ongoing support while they're there and while we look for more permanent housing solutions. In other cases, we've got the financial resources for rent and utilities and things right now for 18 households, so probably 25 to 30 people total, to Mm -hmm. move them out and move them into a good, safe, affordable place. Our challenge right now is getting enough units. And in many cases, what's interesting is we've all gone virtual for the most part. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even just getting units opened up getting inspections handled can be a very interesting challenge at the moment. So we're having to get very, very creative. In fact, we're pushing them. The mayor's been partnering with us, uh, the Community Empowerment Fund here in Durham, to push right now just to raise, sort of raise the alarm of friends. We've got folks that we can move out. We've got resources to sustain them. We just need some folks to come forward and say, we've got units and we'll make them available. Wow. Thank you, Russ. You know, as you're laying that out, it's so many complex layers. There's a lot going mm-hmm. on, a lot of moving parts, and then you add a, you know, a pandemic on top of it. So I, I can't, I can't imagine being in, in this space from the day to day and just trying to juggle it all, but you do it and your team does it brilliantly. When you wake up in the morning, what's driving you? Like what's motivating you to continue to sort of fight some of the small fires while strategically thinking about keeping the big ones at bay, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot. So what drives you every day to keep you going? I would say one in my faith life, and I've had years of experience working in mission agencies and and pastoring churches and pieces, even before being in this particular role. And a big driver for me is that, that vision of, uh, of the kingdom and what Mm -hmm. the world should really look like. And Mm -hmm. 
every day. It's there should be more justice around housing. There should be supportive services for people who need them. You know, the basics that you need to live a good life. And I think for me also, having come into this role just a year ago, I don't use the word honor very frequently, but I would say this is one of the four or five things in my life that I felt truly honored to do is to be able to be in this work. So to get up every day and know that we're having an impact on people's lives truly does make a difference. And we have a team that's really Mm -hmm. dedicated. I mean, I know I have jealous moments. I wish somebody would send me home (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. some days and let Mm -hmm. me just be there for a day. And and, and that's not to dismiss it because I know that's a stressful piece in many ways too. But I mean, we're on a rotating basis. We've got staggered schedules, all that good stuff. But to see how our team is responding and, and finding creative ways to get those inspections done, connect with landlords, remotely meet for the first time clients that will be moving out of the shelter. It's just incredible to watch and incredible to be mm. part of. Mm. So, Thank you. I, I really appreciate you sharing that, Russ, because you know that for us at ReCity, we, we're trying to pull together every sector of people to serve our communities more holistically. And I think that we definitely recognize that that faith lens, right? That faith perspective is a powerful mm-hmm. one. And I think that it's one that everyone, a lot of people are leaning on right now. Jeff and I were talking about that in, in a previous episode of this idea that uh, what you touch on is that you're, you're looking at that things are, are not as they should be, right? You have this mm-hmm. other lens that you're comparing things to and working towards this vision for you, which is a, a faith-filled vision of the world as it ought to be and really trying to work towards that end motivated by your faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah. I just appreciate you helping. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, that, re- that will resonate a lot with, with many of our audience members who are, are really leaning on, on their own faith to keep them going yeah. right now. Well, well, I think for us, even one of the gifts of, of ReCity, I will say, has been just the wide mixture and having businesses in there. And the line that often goes through my head, um, I went back after having an MDiv several years later and did a business degree at Notre Dame. And our tagline was servant hearts, business minds, greater impact. And I think being able to bring both mm-hmm. those pieces together is such a gift. And I, I think we feel it in, in really good ways there at Reese City. And I appreciate it a great deal. Yeah, well, we're, we're thankful to come alongside you, which I think is a great segue to our, our final question, Russ, before we let you go, because we know you, you got your hands full right now. Is For our listeners, what are some practical ways that our listeners can get involved in supporting your work right now? So one of the big needs we've identified as we're trying to move all these households in, and we expect it to grow even in coming weeks beyond what we are um, currently anticipating, is furniture and household supplies. And on our website, we have information about there's an emergency assistance fund that gives us flexibility to respond as needed. And then there's something called Hearts to Home Kits. And we're, we're right now trying to get that all built out. should be up in a couple of days here on Amazon that you could click on and order a whole set of what a child would need to get their room set up or what a family would need to set up their kitchen. And we've actually, you know, one of the interesting challenges aside from the financial resources, a lot of the go-to stores we have are closed. And so we're facing putting families into uh, apartments with uh, nothing. I mean, like literally Mm -hmm. just you're going to be in there. And so we've converted one of our um, conference rooms into storage. So it is sitting there waiting to continue to receive furniture that as families move in, as individuals move into their places, can be moved in. Then the last piece would just, as some folks still feel comfortable being out or have the protective gear to do it, in some cases we are needing help getting folks moved in and feel like we can do that in a pretty safe, clean way in terms of getting things set up without anybody there. So for us, it's the ongoing financial support, checking out those kits and helping us find furniture. And now we've got the place to hold it until we can get it moved. But uh, yeah, real, real practical things for us right now. 
That's great. And can you tell us the name of that mm-hmm. website, uh, Russ, for those who are listening in and want to go straight there to, to they have furniture they could give or they want to donate, they ha- they want to volunteer? Yeah, housingfornewhope.org, uh, just all spelled out, housingfornewhope.org. And folks are certainly welcome to reach out at info at housingfornewhope.org or even straight to me, Russ, R-U-S-S, at housingfornewhope.org, and we'll get you routed to the right person. But really, really appreciate it in this time. It's, it's definitely taking a village to keep pieces of this moving. Yeah, well, wow. we, we are grateful for you, Russ. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, friend. Take care. All right. Well, gosh, that was great having Russ on yeah. on with yep. us. He he said a lot of things that you know, but I felt was able to really help us get under the hood on the complexities of this time, right? And so yeah. I appreciated his perspective. I also I don't know what, how you felt about it, but he, he seemed fairly hopeful. Like mm. he's really leaning in on his team, mm. right? And recognizing that while it's hard, it's hard for everyone, he's, he seems fairly supported with a great team and a great process and hopeful around the work that he's doing and also obviously needs a lot of help. So I'm glad yeah. he was able to list the things that he needs. Hopefully our listeners are able to jump in and support him. Yeah, absolutely. I would say great team, great process, and out of that, great perspective. I mean, just the perspective he has of, I think we talk about being faith-motivated and the importance of that. We see the, that playing out and in addressing injustice oftentimes, but I, clearly he is a faith-motivated person who is bringing that lens of faith to, to drive him in his work and to fill him with hope, which is really inspiring right now. Yeah, it's so good. Thanks so much for listening to Just, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.